Warning, this podcast contains sexual content, graphic language, and bodily functions. Get over it. I'm Heather Ann Gottlieb, and this is Dirty Girl, the podcast that shares stories from real women about their disgusting habits, taboo secrets, and unruly pastimes. Fart, burp, queef your little heart out. It's not a girl thing. It's not a boy thing. It's not a woman or a man thing. Everybody has a body, and it's disgusting, and we all just need to accept it and love it. How can we take this to the next level of disgusting? Okay, so so here's one. Well, it's not, like, gross necessarily, but, um... But it's funny. I'll so take like, funny. Yeah, funny. Well, funny is, you know, that's kind of my... I don't do a lot of... Gr- I mean, I used to play with my poo in the bathtub, but, like, I was Ooh. seven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is Pseudonymph. Long story short, we were set up on a carpool blind date and ended up becoming besties. When you poo, it's, like, you're the first thing you create. It's, like, Ooh. like it's when we first make art, our first art. I'm always... I'm somebody that definitely looks in the toilet before I flush. Me too. Totally. have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always impressed when it's, like, really long. Like, it's longer than, like, any penis that's been in there. So you're sort of thinking, like, how does that all fit? Well, because it can bend. I interviewed her at 60 miles an hour down the 405. I indulged in borderline escort behavior. With 60 miles an hour down the 405 audio quality. But as you're going to hear, Pseudonymph has a very interesting story. So I had to sit down with her again so you could hear it. What I noticed during the second interview was that she now had reached some different conclusions about her own story. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Appreciate it. This is fun. So when I moved to L.A., I, uh, I was sort of like a sugar baby. And, uh, and I, I liked the idea of meeting people with kinks. Like, you know, you get a lot of people that, that kind of, you know, feel insecure about their fetishes, for lack of a better word. That's a pretty good word for it. Enter uh, Mr. Nike. He was handsome. He was like, I don't even know what he did. He lied and said he worked for the CIA, which was hilarious. Probably like late 30s, early 40s, um, bald but sexy. I would pee on his uh, face (laughs) for money. No sex. No, uh, well, it was sexual. But, uh, But yeah, so he, I call him Mr. Nike because he had like a foot fetish. And I would step on his face with my, with the Nikes that he bought me. And then I would pee on his face. And then that was literally it. Like he would leave and give me $350 and buy my next set of shoes. It was this like time in my life when I was feeling like particularly sexually powerful. And I liked the fact that I felt like I had this like key of like not really judging people for their specific interests or likes and I was also trying to figure out what I liked I was like the like I was the poster child for single young woman in LA like I had like the guy I was sort of dating I had Mr. Wednesday I had the guy that I actually my plus one so like the person that I would like take to things with me I had a guy swooning over me who I then dated for a little while I think that was the one that I was dating the one with the big dick and then I had the Nike dude and it was like I had this like perfect roster of men which felt great um but now I'm dating which is weird I was an escort when I was 17 so it started then it was like a total drug okay it was drug related it was a drug related like I was a cocaine addict at 17 I was like crazy and it made sense you know like I grew up in 
sort of a social world where like sex was so casual and so fluid. Um, I wanted to be cool and I told people that I was experienced and then they believed me and then I got the experience because they thought I was experienced. The next thing I know I am having sex with lots of people by the time I'm 13 and 14 and you know and that was sort of normal. So by the time I was 17 it was like it was like no it was a no-brainer. I own it you know like it was where I was at and when I was 17 it was like well I already go out to bars and get wasted and go and sleep with people why not like plan it a little better <laughs> like you know like let's just like you know the same thing is gonna happen so let's just like let's make use of this you know for the most part I enjoyed it I mean I hate you know it's like I'm not promoting the idea because obviously it's it can be dangerous and, and it can be demeaning in some ways but at a certain point it was just kind of like you know I mean I, I went around in the limos with with you know, semi rock stars going to, you know, Nobu and, and, you know, jumping on them in the back of their limo, you know, it wasn't like I was, you know, really exchanging money for sex. I was exchanging an experience, um, for money. I was, you know, I was engaging in something that was kind of exciting and, and, and honestly the money thing was a turn on. So when I got older and I wasn't addicted to drugs, um, I tried it because, you know, I had, it had been such a part of my identity and I didn't want to like, I didn't want to be a, a hooker or an escort, but I wanted to, I was missing it. Like until I kind of changed and switched gears and wanted a relationship, it was like, I, I missed that kind of casual element of sex and I missed the power that I felt over sex and I missed um, the thrill you know, and it was really cut and dry. And honestly, in that point in my life, I really just did not want to fall in love. So for me, it was like the easiest thing to do. It was like I still got laid. People like worshipped me. I mean, it was like that I was, you know, like fuck the money. I mean, the money was great. But like it was I was someone's treat and I wanted to be someone's treat. Like it was hot to me. And like they would look forward to me and wait for me and then they would leave and it would be done. And I'd usually go get a massage or take myself shopping or and then I'd save some of it, and you know, and I like, was like, you know, I oozed it. It was great. It was, it was, uh, that's just honest, you know? I mean, I, I, I changed the tune of it a little bit because I'm trying to be out like, oh, you know, yeah, that was a part of my past. I fucking loved it, man. Like, when I did it, I loved it. Now I don't want to do it. But it's like, now I'm here. Then I was there. And to be like in my early 20s, it was, it was fucking fun. And honestly, none of those relationships, if I had just done relationships or like Bumble, I would have had just as much sex, gone on just as many dates and had less to show for it. Like at least I was kind of like, you know, I had control over my casual. I had people, I had specific people that I dated. I could be totally sober and you know, feel a little like out of touch with like, what am I doing with my life? And if I brought that into the, ta like onto the table, and like went on to the, you know, the dating site with rich men. And, you know, like I'd get excited and I'd feel powerful and I'd feel like I had a plan. Um, and I think that is one thing that I recognize now is like it made me feel like I had something going on. And so until I found other things going on, then I was like, oh, whatever. Bottom line, I did not want to fall in love. I did not want to get complicated in a relationship. I love sex. I fucking love sex. Like, if, you know, I love it. And I love it when it's good. But I think part of it was like the excitement of doing that made it good enough. You know, like sex with with 
very casual, like cut and dry casual people was hot to me. You know, I mean, there's sites where people just meet straight. I mean, Grinder. You know, you don't get paid for it, but men are literally going on Grinder and they're meeting up to fuck. Half of Tinder is meeting up to fuck. I just added something, you know, to walk away. A little takeaway, you know? So he came over and it was like literally, uh, you know, like stepping on his face. And he like, I could see him like getting a little, you know, in his pants. It was sexual. We didn't have sex. Well, yeah, so we met We met up like at my place and it was very simple. It was like, cool, wear a skirt and these like big fry utility boots, which I love. They're like my favorite boots because they were the dirtiest ones. Like, and it was just, it was this very simple, like, look, I've got a fetish with shoes. Like other people don't understand it. Um, I just want to like lick them and, <laughs> and, you know, like have you step on my face? And I was like, yeah, okay, that's that's simple. <laughs> you know, we could try that. I was really in control of the situation, which I think w- w- there were times when I was on when I was 17 and I wasn't in control as much and I think it kind of made up for that. So there was a lot of like therapeutic stuff going on in this like crazy kinky, you know, sexual thing because that was my thing, you know, sex was my thing. The more I talked to him, the more I like got into like by the end of our relationship, I got into like being called goddess. This I didn't tell you. I, t- I we we evolved. We evolved. So it went shoes, Nike's, pissing, goddess. Which was dope. So yeah, so he really wanted like a dominant like me to be an asshole to him. And I've never really done that. Um I can be a bit of a bitch, but normally I'm like the one being told what to do. So but I love the dance. And if you do it right, if you come in fully with your body and 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 own yourself, there's like this there's this dance that happens and and the sensations and 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 feeling each other out or like I even love terrible sex sometimes because it teaches you so much recently what I've learned to really love about sex is like the learning of like taking your time and like learning someone's body and like starting to figure out like this is gonna get this is gonna get very descriptive guys but like just how deep they go and like where like I don't know ladies but have you ever like taken the time to like move your partner's cock inside you and see all the different places it hits because it can be very effective. I'm a very sexual person. I don't think that'll ever change. If it does, I'll be very depressed. But um, but one thing that I'm learning is like, is that there's so much to learn and it's constantly evolving and it's different with every person. And it's, it's, it's connection. I mean, it, we literally have taken something that's about reproduction it's strictly about reproduction but we also have these like pleasure centers so it's like taking something that is primal and sacred and respecting it and enjoying it like fully you know not in an addict way it's just incredible and and there's so much going on in there that like we can't even see it's mysterious it's it's yummy the dom was um, I found through sugar daddy dating or sugar baby dating, but we didn't do that uh, because he gave me something else. 
he gave me the experience of a full-on dom sub experience so i dated a dom for yeah three weeks I only dated him for three weeks because I learned that I like dominant people, but I like sweet outside, mean inside, you know, the bedroom. I didn't like the idea of feeling subservient to somebody out in public, which was kind of his thing. And no, nothing against that. I'm sure some women love that. But I'm like a very independent, strong woman, which is why I like being dominated in the bedroom. So yeah, no, that was, um, that was the dom. He, he worked in finance. Yeah, he had a dungeon in his room. His entire bedroom would turn into a dungeon. And uh, we had this thing. Oh, he got mad because I was too excited. So, like, he really wanted me to be, like, submissive and scared of him and, like, all of this stuff. And I remember him getting upset with me once because I was smiling while I put my hands out for him to tie up to his bed. Like, I was like, here, you know, like, ready. You walked in hand tied to one corner tied to another corner tied to another corner tied to another corner and yeah you have a safe word but at the end of the day man you are there like it is complete trust and I didn't necessarily I mean I trusted him enough to understand that this was just both of our sexual preference fantasy whatever this wasn't some big weird thing where I felt like he had some underlying issues you know BDSM does not mean you have issues guys does not mean you have issues. Fifty Shades of Grey did not give the BDSM community very good rep. We are great people. Moving on. Mr. Wednesday was somebody that was not supposed to be available to me uh, because of my stature, my status in the newly recovered, you know, new to recovery and sobriety deal so he was this beautiful crossfit trainer he had a kid that was like two years younger than me so he was like 40 i'm gonna say we're gonna say 40s i hope this booms and blows up but my god you could figure this out if the wrong person heard this but fuck it who cares he shouldn't it wasn't a secret it was a secret and then you know it wasn't it was very athletic sex like i could like do push-ups on the footboard of his bed while we're like that was like how I went up and down was I did push-ups but I started dating you know while I had Mr. Wednesday and then I would stop dating someone and I'd go back to Mr. Wednesday and originally he was like I'm not gonna be around and he was always around I was like cool I'm done you want to fuck yep I'll be here you know like it's so weird no because like literally like I can physically feel that it's like not there anymore it's weird what's not there the um the the part of me that I like held on to really strongly in order to um survive? Yeah. It was a big identity thing, you know? Uh I needed it. I needed it until I could make room for something else and or realize I didn't need to have something. Um and I'm still completely blunt and way too unfiltered and, you know, all of those crazy things. I thrived off that feeling of not being able to be connected with that nice little coating of I'm wild and um, unapologetic and hypersexual. And I still am wild and unapologetic and hypersexual, but I don't do it as a coating anymore. It's just like, yeah, it's like a more advanced version of it. That's just like, it's just so weird how I, how when we grow up a little, 
like we still have we're still are our our qualities but they don't form our personality as much they're just like parts people self-medicate or or use things drugs or otherwise in order to not fully be present to everything going on and I think that's actually okay sometimes it's when it gets in the way of your life that it's bad but so for me when I took away all my other self-medicating tools like it's the one thing that like kind of I had to fall back on and I wasn't really ready to give it up and um and I totally think that's okay. I think I'm also just realizing that literally right now as we're talking. Because when I, when I knew we were going to do this interview, I was like, oh, cool. Like all these, I remember all these crazy shit that we were talking about. And I remember being in that car and just being like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, I got this guy, I got this guy, I got this guy. And it's totally, I was there, you know? And I loved being there. Um, and I, now I've ruined that for myself because, because, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I was so damaged and alone, but I was like, no, nah, it's just still that old part of me, you know? Yeah, it was totally a safety net. And it was a fine safety net. It didn't kill me. It didn't harm me. It, it kept me safe um, because I didn't trust people. I was the sex, drugs, and rock and roll girl. I was like the new kid at school. They were like, we need one of you. And I was like, cool, I can Google blowjobs. I lost my virginity to someone who didn't know they were taking my virginity. The identity that I had kept building based on the input, again, totally made a choice, not a victim of this, but I was young. And that was sort of how it seemed to work for me. Like I got feedback and I got input and I created myself because it didn't really matter who I was. I just wanted you to like me. And so I fit the persona of the wild one and the sex, drugs and rock and roll and I remember, I remember the night, it was the first night I smoked pot and, um, and he was total, I just farted. This is funny. <laughs> he was, he was a total player. So I smoked pot, I uh, gave my first blowjob and then had sex with this guy. And then I, I walked away and realized I couldn't tell anyone because no one knew I was a virgin. By 15, you know, I was sent away at 15 and by 15 I was like doing cocaine and I was the chick at the party that people would know you could go home with or would go home with you. And I just wanted you to like me, even if I knew it would be for the night, 10 minutes, whatever, in the fucking staircase at a party. Like, I didn't care. If I fucked you, you'd spend time with me. So we fucked. Or I gave you the illusion that we were going to fuck. Or, you know, I was the chick that you cheated with your girlfriend on, you know? like, And so I was already that chick. Flash forward to 17, I'm the other woman. I'm, you know, it, the only thing that changed was that I, that I took my, I took my power back. You know, the body is a temple, but it's your temple. You know, you choose hopefully who goes in there. If you could say anything to your 13 year old or 15 year old self, Oof. I mean, maybe there's a bunch of things you would say. So many. I'm really glad you didn't die. And you didn't know. I'm really glad I got out of the other end of everything. You did the best you could with what you had and what you knew. And I love you anyway. As I make love to myself. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to start crying if I <laughs> didn't make a joke. It's not about the experience now or before. It's about my relationship to the experience. Because the experience already happened. It's already done. 
It does not make me any less deserving of love, of a healthy relationship, of a future, of a career. It's just one human going and having a lot of experiences and they're over. And, you know, and I'm actually, you know, and I think it's, it's the work that I've done just to be kind and nice to myself. I mean, I did a lot of damaging things to myself when I was a drug addict, like just a lot. My, my level of care for myself was very low. I think the most important thing is that I haven't changed because I'm scared of how people perceive me. I've changed because I'm ready to see myself in a different way. Everyone else can walk away. I got me, so I better fucking love me, man, because this is it. You know, everything else can change. Everyone I love can leave me, except me. And that's cool now, like, because I dig myself. Enjoy your mess. We're all messy. Just we all hide it so well. And we get this weird warped idea that we're all perfect, except for me. Everyone else is perfect, but me. Everyone else has it figured out except me. It's all bullshit. It is not that serious. Just own your shit, man. It's fun. It's so much better when you do. It's hard. People are going to judge you. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt even more if you pretend that you're not like that. And it's like subtly judgment underneath. Like, don't judge yourself. Just fucking own it. It's a lot easier, you know. I am totally psyched that I met this woman, and I admire her vulnerability. I'm so happy I got to see her grow, even in the short time I've known her. I hope that all the women who hear this are inspired to embrace their own mess. And that is it for season one. Woo! Thank you so much to everyone who talked to me for this podcast. Keep an eye on your feed and we'll be dropping some bonus episodes and we'll give you a heads up when season two is ready. In the meantime, reclaim your shame. Dirty Girl is a podcast that you just listened to. Yay! It was produced by me, Cameron Taggy, and Alex Salem. You can find us on Instagram at Dirty Girl Pod. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, but Instagram's the best one. I post a shitload of uber feminist stuff. You're gonna love it. I am Heather Ann Gottlieb. See you next time. Until then, <laughs> go shit on someone's face. From WBDSM Chicago, it's This Sadistic Life. I'm Ira Assless Chaps. Today on our program, the Dom who wanted to date. What happens when those who practice bondage want to bond a little bit further? Turns out some rather surprising things. Stay with us.